Thanks for listening to our Faith Church podcast. Let's listen to today's message. Jump in the Word, if you would, with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And uh, I want to talk about the glory of the Lord. I'm calling this from glory to glory. And uh, 2 Corinthians 3, verses 12 through 18. And uh, it says, since, we, since this new way gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. Meaning now that we're in the New Testament, now that we're saved, we have boldness, we can access the presence of God. We are not like Moses, who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel would not see the glory, even though it was destined to fade away. But the people's minds were hardened, and to this day, whenever the Old Covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so they cannot understand the truth. This veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. We still see that in the nation of Israel, and we still see that in the Jewish faith as well as other faiths. Their minds are blinded. The veil is over their eyes. They can't see the truth of Christ. The Messiah was revealed 2,000 years ago, but they still don't recognize him because their hearts have been hardened. And it says, yes, even today when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil, they do not understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and whenever the Spirit, wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Let me kind of break this down a little bit from... Because this is one of those passages that I've read numerous times. I've meditated on many, many times. I think whenever I I read about the glory of the Lord, um, it's always a very compelling topic. It's a very uh, deep uh, understanding that I believe God wants to give. And so I feel like I'm always digging out more understanding, more revelation of what God means by his glory. But let me... Let me back up in the understanding of this passage. This, goes, this is talking and referring to Moses. If you remember in Exodus, when Moses and the Israelites were camped um, in the wilderness by Mount Sinai, um, Moses went up the mountain and he said to the Lord, Lord, I want to see your glory. I want to see your glory. And, and God basically said, you can't handle my glory. You can't. It's too much for you. No man can handle my glory and live. It's too much. In the old, speaking about the Old Testament. And so he was very clear that he wanted to see the glory of God, though. So God said, well, I will, I will show you my glory. I'll show you my back as I pass by. And so as we read the text, we read that as God passed by Moses, uh, the brightness of God's glory and the intensity of God's glory Um, impacted Moses so strong that when he came down off the mountain and talked to the children of Israel, his face had changed. His face shined so bright and was so changed that they had to put a veil over it because they couldn't even look into the face of Moses. That's how much he had changed in that moment when he encountered God. And the New Testament where it changed was Jesus Christ ripped the veil so that we could now boldly come to the throne of grace and encounter the glory of God for ourselves. But it is through Jesus that we can encounter the glory of God. And God wants us to encounter his glory. He wants us to get closer. But when we talk about God's glory, I want to give you a definition in this context. Definition in this context is God's revealed presence. God's revealed presence. God's revealed, not just God's presence. I know people uh, get confused about the presence of God. Well, you know, God's always with us. Yes, he is with us. He's in our heart. The Holy Spirit's in our heart. But it's different than God's revealed presence. It's different than God's manifest presence. And the manifest presence of God, the revealed presence of God, uh, is, is greater, is even stronger uh, and is more powerful to change us. And this is why Paul talks about this in Corinthians, that we can be changed in his glory, in his image. We can be made like Christ through the encounters 
of God, the encounters of his glorious revealed presence. He wants to reveal himself to you and I so that we can become more like him. And truthfully, that's not easy because we're the ones who stand in the way of that. God's willing to do it, but there's mindsets and there's thoughts that we have that keep us in a place of missing what God wants to do in us. Verse 17 and 18, as I already read, but let me read it in the New King James. It reads this way. It says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. I want to tie this in to Galatians 5. If you jump down to Galatians 5, um, in verse 13, it says, For you have been called to live in freedom. So I'm tying that word freedom in, verse 17 of 2 Corinthians 3. It says, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Galatians 5, 13 says, For you have called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another and love, for the whole law can be summed up in one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring each other, watch out, beware of destroying one another. As I look at this passage in Corinthians and Galatians, God wants us to live in a place of freedom. God wants us to be free, and our first encounter with God is usually our salvation. When we come to the altar or we're home or wherever we are and we ask God to forgive us of our sins, we ask Jesus Christ to come into our lives, to be the Lord of our lives, that's our first encounter with God. But that should not be the last. That should not be the final encounter. There is so much more that God wants to do to change us. Though I can be somewhat saved, and I'm using that word very careful, there are many Christians who've accepted Christ as Lord and Savior who aren't free, who are bound by the sinful nature, bound by the mindsets of the world, bound by the situations of the day, bound by what's going on in the culture. There's just bondage all around, even believers who shouldn't be bound. Believers should be free but I'm convinced there's a reason why we're not free, why we don't live a life of freedom, and that's because we don't know how to walk in God's glory, how to live in God's presence, how to have his revealed presence in our lives on a regular basis. Some of us might not, might not even remember the last time you had the revealed presence presence of God in your life. You're thinking about when was the last time? When was the last time God revealed himself? And see, we can all have blind spots. We can all have areas of our life that we say they're fully free, but we can have other areas of our lives that are bound. And in verse 17 and 18, verse 18 of 2 Corinthians he said, but with all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory. I brought this morning with me a mirror. And, and as you, many of us have mirrors. Well, pretty much all of us probably have a mirror. <laughs> then again, maybe there's a few that don't. I don't know. But we have a mirror and when you look in the mirror, you see something. Many times what we look at in the mirror is ourselves. When we see ourselves, we see all of our imperfections, or for some of us, our perfections, however you think about yourself. We see what we like, we see what we don't like, but we look in the mirror and we expect to see an image of some sort. 
And there's something we're looking at and we're deciding how we're going to view what we're seeing in the mirror. And when you look in the mirror, what do you see? What are you looking at? What are you focused on? When you look in the mirror, what are, gets your attention? All the problems? All the mistakes? All the sin? All the issues of life? All the situations going on in your family, your home, your finances, your money? What gets your attention when you look in the mirror? Because whatever gets your attention is what you're going to focus on. And whatever you're focused on is what you're going to pray about. Many times we go to prayer with things we're seeing in the mirror. So if I go to prayer and I'm spending time in prayer and all I see is problems with my family, then I'm going to pray about problems with my family. If I go to prayer and all I see is problems with my life, then I'm going to pray about problems with my life. If I go to prayer and all I see is money issues, money or my career issues or my job issues, that's what I'm going to pray about because that's what I'm focused on. But when God speaks to us, he says, I want you to look in the mirror and I want you to see me. I want you to behold me as you look. See, your prayer life, your worship life is a reflection of what you're looking at. If all you do is pray about yourself, that's all you're looking at. When we come into worship if you can't focus on the Lord, you're looking too much at yourself. You should be able to see the glory of God. God wants to reveal himself. It's amazing. We can be in a worship service. You know, there was moments today during the worship where God's presence started to really come in the building. Some people were grabbing hold of it. Some people were seeing it. Other people were oblivious to it. It's not that God wasn't there. It's not that God isn't going to show up. It's not that God doesn't want to show up. He wants to show up. Are we even looking for him? Because we're so focused on what we're looking at and what we want to see change, we don't realize that what we keep looking at, we're going to become like. So if you keep looking at an image of yourself with all your faults, with all your problems, or your family, or your money, or your whatever it is, and you keep looking at all that, that's what you're going to become more like. And he says in 2 Corinthians 3, 18, he says, when you look at him and you focus on him, it says, we will be transformed to become like him. The goal is to look in the mirror, and when you look in the mirror, not only do you see him, but you see yourself looking like him. That's the goal. That's the goal. We want to see ourselves. The church needs to see itself looking like the church that Jesus wants to have, not the church that the culture wants to define. The culture has a definition of a church. People have a definition of a church or Christians. Well, that's what a Christian would do, or that's what a Christian should say. That's what, but the problem is they're looking in the wrong mirror. Because Christ is the definition of a Christian. Christ, who Christ is, the way Christ thinks, the way Christ acts, he's the definition. There is no other definition. You can try to define me. You can try to define, say, well, this is what I think Christians should be. This is what I think church should be. This is what I think prayer should be. But your definition, unless it's lined up to the mirror of Christ, your definition is going to be wrong. And you've got to see the revealed Christ, the revealed God come to you in order to transform you. What do I mean by that? When we pray, when we worship, our minds are so critical to what we're focused on. This has happened to me many times where I've gone to pray and my mind is thinking about everything else. And I can sit there for a half hour 
and think about everything else and never get a revelation of Christ. I can sit there for an hour, even two hours, and think about stuff. I can even say prayers about stuff and never get a revelation of Christ. Just because I prayed for two hours and I told Christ everything I saw, I saw this person sick, I saw that person sick, I saw this person poor, I saw this person at war, I saw this problem, I saw that issue. Did I ever get a revelation of Christ in the midst of it? Because I'm not going to be changed. See, part of the problem with us wanting others changed is we're not always willing to change. God, will you change them? And God's saying, well, let me start with you. <laughs> like, well, I'm praying about them. Well, let me talk to you. Because if I can change you, and the people around you can see your face is changed, there's a new shine on your face, maybe that'll draw them into the change. God wants to reveal himself to us. But we have to slow down and wait on the Lord. When I wake up in the morning, I have two choices. And there, there, there are choices. I can either open my mouth and begin to pray in the Spirit, which I do most mornings. Many times that'll lead me to get up and begin to go into other parts of the house and begin to pray and spend time with the Lord. Or I can turn over my phone and read what's going on in the news or social media. There are times where I pick the phone and before you know it, an hour later, I'm still laying there, never talk to God. I'm just telling you the truth of stuff I go through. And the more I read about the world the more the spirit of the world gets upon me. I don't become more happy. I don't become more loving. I don't become more peaceful. I become more like that which I'm watching, and that's what I'm reading. That's what I'm concerned about. But when I spend time with the Lord, and I'm not talking about just me telling the Lord stuff. I'm talking about the Lord telling me stuff. When I spend time with the Lord and he begins to reveal himself to me, that's when I'm changed. And if you go day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, and you don't have those moments with God, you aren't going to change. There's some people haven't changed in years. There's some people, the last time you had an experience with God where God revealed himself to you and it changed you, you don't even know if you can remember when that was. And I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to expose to you the opportunity that we have to be changed on a daily basis. God wants to speak to you. God wants to reveal himself. God wants to show himself to us God wants to show, he wants us to pull up the right mirror. Many times we just grab the wrong mirrors. We grab the wrong viewpoints. And this is where the enemy comes in and gets a foothold. And before you know it, our thinking is messed up. We think we're thinking right, and we've been thinking wrong. And I've seen this so clearly in the last two years. There is more confusion in the last two years than I've seen in my entire lifetime. Because people are picking up the wrong mirror. And I'm talking about people in the body of Christ. I expect the world to pick up the wrong mirror. But people in the body of Christ are looking at things and they're making decisions on things that have nothing to do with God revealing himself. It has everything to them of them looking at situations or circumstances or relationships or whatever it is. And they're saying, I'm going to make this decision based on how I feel about this. And God wants to order your steps. God wants to give you direction. But if you don't spend time looking at the right stuff, you're going to make a mistake. You know, I've, I've, I've 
read a number of things on vision boarding, vision casting. And one of the most powerful things you can do is if you want to see change, many people do this at the beginning of every year. They get three to five things or whatever that they want to change. They get pictures of it. They post it up on the wall. And every day they look at it and declare it over their life that they're going to become that. Maybe they want a new house or maybe they want a new car or maybe they want a relationship or maybe they want a new job or money or whatever it is. And they'll, they'll put something there so it's something that they focus on. And it works. Many times it works. For many people it works. When you keep looking something day after day, it can, you can lean and you can start to be transformed by the image you see. It'll begin to change your priorities. It'll begin to change what you do. The challenge is, do we do that with God enough? Do we put him up there and go, I want to become more like God? Do we put God up there and go, I want to become more like Jesus? I want to become more like the presence of God. I want to know more about God. I want to be filled with his spirit more. I want to be transformed by his power more. I want to walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I want to be so full of God that my sinful nature has no bearing in my life whatsoever. I want to be so full of God that when something comes up, it doesn't ruin my day, my week, my month, or my year. Because I'm so full of God that even though this has come up and even though it would ruin others, I'm not going to let it ruin me. And it's not because it's not serious and it's not because it's not heavy. It's because I'm so full of God. And I know God's going to carry me through anything I need to walk through. It's a shift in the way we think. It's a shift. But what happens is we don't realize that we, our sinful nature comes in. And our sinful nature begins to take over. And all it can take is one moment, one situation, one experience. And before you know it, you're heading down the wrong road. Let's continue in Galatians 5. Galatians 5, as I continue in that passage, verse 16 Says, says this, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Holy Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. The two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Holy Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Notice what it says here. These two forces are opposed. They're in opposition. You look around and you see, you know, I think I, I want to change this. I want, I want more money or I want a different relationship. Or I want the, and you begin to speak things out, not because that's what God wants, but it's because your sinful nature is drawing you into them. Go down to verse 19 and let's see the difference. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality or impurity or lustful pleasures or idolatry or sorcery or hostility or arguing, quarreling or jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, divisions, envies, drunkenness, wild parties. These are the marks of sinful nature. We find ourselves drawn into those things. These are the marks of Christ working in us. Verse 22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. As I look at this passage... And I take a look in the mirror. I can find problems. I can find things that I want to see change in my life, in my family, in my home. But until I'm ready to want an encounter with Christ, those things will probably not change. 
Until I pull the mirror up and go, I want to see Christ. I want to have an encounter with God on a regular basis that transforms my life. So when I look in the mirror, every time I go to pray, every time I go to worship, every day of my life, I'm looking for Christ. I'm not looking for more problems. We're we're in a society right now that is so full of problems, so full of issues, so full of wrong thinking. There's so many people that are on the wrong side of thinking correctly. Their minds, our minds are so twisted, we don't even realize how twisted we are. I'll ask some people, so why are you doing that? Oh, just because I feel like it. Why are you uh, involved in that relationship? Oh, I just thought it was a good idea. Why are you taking that job? Oh, I just wanted more money. More money? That's the reason? You say, well, pastor, what's wrong with that? Well, how do you know your assignment's done? How do you know your assignment's done with the job you're in right now? If you don't, did God give you that job or didn't? Did God give you that relationship or didn't? How do you know, what is God speaking to you? Do you even know what God's speaking to you? Because the enemy will lead you to something that always looks better. And the enemy will say, well, you know you need to do this if you want to get this job, if you want to get this promotion, if you want to get this title. And, and now the world's influence into the church is overwhelming. There are so many in the church that are no, lo- no longer looking for God's glory. They're just looking to survive. And God's glory wants to, he wants to reveal himself to you. Exodus chapter 40. I want to take you to this passage. Exodus 40, verse 34. And it says this, Then the cloud covered the tabernacle. This is while they were in the wilderness. And the cloud of glory would cover the tabernacle. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could no longer enter the tabernacle because the cloud had settled down over it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. See, remember, this was the time when they couldn't handle the glory of God. So they couldn't even go in the tabernacle because the glory of God is so strong. Here's the truth. When the glory of God gets so strong, your flesh can't handle it. If you've never experienced the glory of God so strong that your flesh shakes or you can't handle it, you need a real encounter with Jesus. It's one thing to be set free from sin. It's another thing to be encountered by the glory of God. The glory of God takes over where you might not even know where you are at that moment. And I want you to read what it says there in the next verse and understand what he's talking about. He says, now whenever the cloud lifted from the tabernacle the people would set out on their journey, following it. But if the cloud did not rise, they remained where it was until it lifted. We used to sing a song years ago called Move with the Cloud. And we'd sing this song, and we'd sing Move with the Cloud, and it was talking about the children of Israel. Wherever the cloud was going, that's where they were going. If the cloud stopped, they stopped. They were led by the cloud of God. There is no visible cloud for the church today. So while thousands of years ago this was great for the children of Israel, how awesome that God actually provided a cloud to lead them and direct them. It doesn't exist today. There's no, I don't see anybody walking around with a cloud over your head. Now, you may walk with your head in the clouds, but I don't see you walking with a cloud over your head. There's no cloud over your head going, I'm just following the cloud. But what what he did do is he gave us his Holy Spirit. That we would follow the leading of the Spirit. That was not an accidental verse, nor was it supposed to be an auxiliary verse that we kind of pull out whenever we need direction. 
That was supposed to be a verse we live by every day. What does God want me to do? Who does God want me to minister to? Who does God want me to pray for? What does God, how does God want me to lay hands on somebody, see them healed, see them delivered, see them set free? Who do I need to intercede for? Where do I need to work? Where do I need to go? See, if the cloud of God, if the spirit of God isn't leading you, you shouldn't move. But in the last few years, People are so confused. They're moving all over the place. I'm watching people jump churches. People jump relationships. People jump cities. People are jumping all over the place because they don't even realize that they, they have no spirit of God leading them. I'm not saying that those that left or any of that were all wrong. They weren't. That's not what I'm implying. But what I'm saying is many people got caught up with the feeling of culture. And the feeling with culture was, I just need to get out. I need to change relationships. I need to change my job situation. Some people quit their job. You should never have quit your job. You didn't hear from God. You either got mad at people or you wanted more money. And wanting more money is not wrong, but it's not God. If God leads you to more money, great. But my God shall supply all that I need according to his riches and glory. I've got to put my trust in God What if your assignment's not done? What if your assignment is still being fulfilled? How do you know what to do? And the reason this is important is because I'm watching the body of Christ at large fall apart. Not our church, and I say that very sincerely, but I'm watching the body of Christ fall apart because Moving by the Spirit of God, there has to be a humility to it. This is why we spent the first two months talking about grace. God gives grace to the humble. What's great? Direction. His presence. I, I, I can't tell God what I'm going to do. I can't tell God what I want. He needs to tell me what he wants. I'm here on assignment from God. God isn't on assignment from me. Some people treat God like he's, like he's your servant. God isn't your servant. You're his servant. I serve God. God doesn't serve me. God doesn't run and back up my decisions. God says he'll back up his word, not my word. That's why a lot of times my word returns void because it wasn't his word. It was my word. He says his word won't return void. My word returns void all the time. And we don't understand that because we lack regular encounters with God that we're missing the will of God in our lives. And we make decisions. And, it, and it's unsettling because I'm watching so many people, and I can't even blame an age group. I can't even say, well, it's Gen Zers or it's Millennials or it's Boomers, busters, whatever errors there are. There's just, there's just, I can't even, it's everybody. They're just making decisions everywhere. And they haven't heard from God. It just, they're frustrated with something and they're saying, well, I'm just going to do this. Going after God, if you remember, Moses said to God, show me your glory. God didn't say to Moses, come up here and I'll show you my glory. Moses pursued God. Now, the truth is God is always pursuing us. But we have to want to pursue God. And you know why it's hard to pursue God like this? Because when you pursue God like this, he's going to call you out on your stuff. And we're going to have to deal with our stuff. And the more, we look, the more we look like Jesus, the more our stuff will be dealt with. So if I do submit myself, we've all got stuff to be dealt with. Everybody's got stuff. And if you don't got stuff, you've got blind spots. That's a stuff. Everybody's got blind spots. Some people, your spots aren't that blind. You see them clearly. And so do others. But when you come to God, when you sit before God, 
and he begins to put his finger on you, you have to be willing to give that up. You have to be willing to give up relationships. You have to be willing to give up money. You have to be willing to give up uh, dreams. You know, there's a lot of dreams. We, we can dream. And the one great thing about America is Americans are allowed to dream and become anything they want to become. I look over in Ukraine. They're not dreaming. They're just hoping to get through life. But in America, we can dream. But the problem is many times our dreams aren't God's dreams. And so we start writing down our dream. Here's what I want. Here's what my plan is. Here's when I'm going to retire. Here's how much money I need. Maybe that's not God's dream. How do you know what God's dream is? Now, if God has told you that, write it down, take it to the bank. But if God hasn't told you, from glory to glory, he's changed me. From encounter to encounter, there's things God wants to reveal to you, things that God wants to reveal to me that I'm only going to get in his presence. In his presence is fullness of joy. In his presence there is peace. In his presence I can be changed and that spirit of anger can go from me. That spirit of fear can go from me. That spirit of doubt can go from me. It's in his presence. There's, there's still tons of fear in America. Tons of fear. Fear is everywhere. I don't care what any government or corporation says. There's fear everywhere. In his presence, perfect love casts out all fear. But for me to get in God's presence takes time. I can't just put on a song on my playlist and necessarily get in God's presence. Now, it can help. But that's why I always encourage the worship leaders, and they do a great job, and this morning was fantastic, I always encourage them, press into free praise and worship. Press into times where it's unknown songs. Press into times where we can just worship, where we can just praise, because that's where I can encounter God. That's where I can see the glory of God. That's where I can find God. I don't have to know the words. I don't have to get caught up with the rhythm. I don't have to get caught up with who's harmonizing what or not. I don't have to get caught up with logistics. I can just encounter God. This is why some people struggle during free praise and worship because you don't know how to encounter God. And while we're all free praising and free worshiping, you're like, well, when are we going to sing the next song? Because you don't realize God wants to encounter you. All you have to do is lift your hands and say, God, fill me. I want more of your spirit. And I'm not saying this is a criticism. For some of us, this is a revelation. You didn't even know. Some of us were raised in certain churches where all you did was sing three hymns and sat down. Which, at that point, why bother? I just sit down. Because unless you are trying to encounter God, unless I'm trying to get to God's presence, it, you know, I can talk about God, but I would rather have a conversation with God. I would rather have a conversation and let him talk to me. You know, God wants to talk to you. God wants to talk to you. But for some people, the struggle is when God talks to us, we may not like what he says. So the last time God talked to us, we didn't want to hear it. So we haven't opened ourselves up to receiving the next conversation. Because when you're in his presence, you have to change. I'm, this is why I'm always, I always try to be clear when people say they want to be saved. And I'll look at them and say, all right, you're going to have to change. And I know some people don't like that. Pastor, make it easier to be saved. No, it's not easy to be saved. It's actually hard. It's easy to say a prayer. But it's hard to stay saved. Because you have to walk away from sin. You have to walk away from evil. You have to walk away from the plans of the devil. You have to walk away from his desires. You have to walk away from his thoughts. You have to walk away from the desires of pop culture and all the stuff that's going on in the world. You can't think like the world and find yourself doing the will of God. When I'm a believer in Christ, I have to set my mind on things above, not on things of this earth. So I'm setting my mind there, and the only way I can do it is spending time with God. I can get into God's presence in minutes, but there are times I have to fight to get in God's presence where it takes me hours. Yeah. 
Well, pastor, how long does it take you? Every time is different. Every time is different. Sometimes I can wake up in his presence. Other times it takes me a couple hours to shift into his presence. Some of that is due to whatever harassment the enemy put on me through the night or whatever I opened up my spirit to the night, the day before. If you open up your spirit to fighting and arguing and criticism and TV shows that are bad or music that's bad and, and then you want to hear from God, good luck. Because the more you keep listening to garbage music, the more you keep watching garbage TV, the less you're going to be able to encounter God's presence. God is not going to encounter you while you're sitting there listening to cussing and swearing. So you listen to people tearing each other down. The Holy Spirit's trying to tell you, turn it off. But you have to make a decision. And so sometimes we set ourselves up for failure. And again, going back to our sinful nature, and this is the reason we feel bound. We feel bound. Even though Christ has set us free, how is it possible Christ sets me free, yet I still feel bound? I'm letting my sinful nature run the show. God wants to give us a new mind, but new minds come with encounters. I have to continually encounter God's presence. And it's different. I can write a book every year on how to encounter God's presence, and the book will be different every year. Because for me, it's a journey. For me, I have to walk and find, I have to search and find where God is. God, show me your glory. God, show me your presence. God, reveal yourself to me. I have not found anybody that I know personally who has a pat prayer, who has a standard prayer that leads him into God's glory. I've got to pull out the mirror and say, Father, where are you? I've got to find you. I see all these other images. Where are you? And I've got to look at God. I, I, don't want to, I don't want to see all these other images. I don't want to see all these other images of money and and, and riches and, and houses and cars and, and uh, relationships and family and all these other things. They're distractions. Your family's Yes. From the presence of God, family can be the biggest distraction for many. I've watched more people walk away from something God wanted them to do because of their family. Well, family first. No, God first. If you put God first, maybe God will get a hold of your family. What I can tell you is this. If you put God first, God can take care of the, the feeling you have about your family. Where it's not a burden to you like it was. Because God loves your family. God loves your spouse. God loves your children. He loves your grandchildren. He loves your mom. He loves your dad. God loves them. And who are we to think we have a better shot of getting to them than God? Well, I know how to get to my wife. Right, you've been married 30 years and you still haven't figured it out. I think the Lord, I think the Holy Spirit knows how to get to your wife. I think the Holy Spirit knows how to get to your child. But what's happened is when you encounter God, it changes you and others see what changed in you. You're so different. You're so peaceful. You're so joyful. You know, you used to walk around work miserable. Why are you smiling all of a sudden? You used to walk around church and didn't want to talk to anybody. In fact, you come in late and you leave early. I'm looking around. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Relax. But I don't want to talk to nobody. Now you want to talk to everybody. What changed? Probably the Holy Spirit. Probably worked on your heart. There's things that God wants to do. Don't, don't make it weird. Some people make encountering the Holy Spirit weird. 
We're, I've got to feel weird in order to encounter the Holy Spirit. And, and, and you, that doesn't mean you won't. There's times when you may. You may feel uncomfortable. You may feel out of body. I mean, you can feel weird, but don't make it weird. Don't look for the weird. I'm looking for the weird. Holy Spirit, be weird to me today. Can I have weirdness? Let people think I'm weird. I'm going to go up and down the pews and people will know that I'm encountering the Holy Ghost. People make it weird. Just go after God. Say, God, I want you. I want your presence. I want your spirit. Fill me. I need more of you. You know what? I, I, I love watching people go after God. I love watching people hungry for God. Because there's, there's nothing that can be said to the person who's going after the God. The person who's going after God with all their heart, there's nothing you can criticize about that. You say, well, they don't live a right. Well, then they need to go after God. Stop criticizing them. Well, you know, I saw them last week at the bar. Well, then they need to go after God. They need to go after the things of God. Stop criticizing them. God wants to do a new thing in us. I don't know what's going to happen this year. I just know I want to know God more. And if I can know God more, whatever comes this year, I'll be fine. Whatever comes this year, we'll walk through. But I want to know God more, and I want to encounter his presence more. Let's stand this morning. From glory to glory. We used to sing that song years ago, he's changing me. From glory to glory, he's changing me. That tells me that I need more than one glory. I need more than one encounter. From glory to 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 glory. From empowering presence, from uh, revealed presence to revealed presence to revealed presence to revealed presence to revealed presence. The more I'm in his revealed presence, the more I'm changed. I need God's revealed presence. I'm glad Jesus is in my life. I'm glad Holy Spirit's but I need his revealed manifest presence where he consumes my mind, consumes my thoughts, sets me free. Bow your heads, if you would. If Jesus Christ is not the Lord of your life, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day you can know Jesus Christ. Today is the day he wants to become real to you. You need that encounter with God. If that's you this morning, will you just raise your hand and say, Pastor, you pray for me. I know I need Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life. I don't know if you're in the balcony, on the floor here. If there's anybody, you need Jesus Christ. If, those, if that's your hands that were up, I want you to come down real quick. Just come down to the front. I'll wait for you for about 10, 15 seconds. Just come down. You say, Pastor, I know I need Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life. I'm dead serious. I want Jesus Christ to take over my life. I know it's gonna, I'm going to have to change some stuff, but I'm willing to change. I'm willing to do what I need to do to serve the Lord. If that's you, come on down real quick. I'll give you a few seconds. Just come down and stand in front of me. I don't care what anybody else thinks because you're going to have to get to the point where you don't care what anybody else thinks. To serve Christ, you're going to have to have times where you don't care. Because if, if it matters what everybody else thinks, then you're going to have a hard time serving the Lord. Because there'll be some people who will keep you from serving the Lord. And if you want Jesus Christ, maybe you're watching online, and you want Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, let somebody know right now. I'm telling you, every week, every week, people are getting saved. They may not come down front, but they're getting saved online. They're getting saved at altar calls. They're getting saved throughout the week. We are seeing people saved all the time because people need the Lord. They need Jesus. You need Jesus to be the Lord of your life. And if, he, if you want to make that decision today, or maybe you want to come back to God, maybe you were serving the Lord, but you know you're a mess and you need to come back to God, or you know you're just confused, or you know you've been just wandering, whatever it is, and you need to come back to God. He loves you this morning. He absolutely loves you. Come on. I see you. Come on. Just stand right here. Bless you this morning.
Anybody else, you know you need that. Just stay right here today. Anybody else, you say, I know I need Jesus Christ to be Lord of my life. I'm ready. Come on. I bless you this morning. Stand right here. Who else? You know you need Jesus Christ. He can make a change. He, he's not afraid. He can handle your stuff. He can handle all that you're dealing with. He already knows it. He knows the reason you are the way you are more than you know the way you are, the reason you are. And he can help you solve it. That's how good he is. We're going to pray. I'm going to ask your ladies to repeat after me. Congregation, will you join with us in prayer? Just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. I repent of my sins. And I ask you today to take over my life. I want to serve you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for caring for me. And I will serve you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Just stay right here a second. Now, Father, I pray over these ladies. I ask, Father, for your presence to come upon them, even those that are watching online. I ask for your presence to come upon them. I ask, Lord, that you would minister to them today. I ask that you would fill them with the Holy Spirit, that they would have a touch from you, that they would feel your love, they would feel your peace, they would feel your joy, that you begin to impact them in ways they've never experienced before. And, Lord, that they would know every single day of their life how much you love them and how much you care about them and that they're never alone. You are always with them. Minister to them in everything they need in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask a couple of my leaders just to pray with you for a minute. Make sure you have a Bible, things like that. Only take a minute. If you'll take a minute. Come on, let's give them a hand this morning. Thanks again for listening to our Faith Church podcast. We are so glad you chose to listen to this message. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to receive notifications when we release new content. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Faith Church Rock to find out more information about what is currently happening at Faith Church.